Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Becky Hines. And we're here today to kind of field another question, Becky. How's the world for you going at this moment? Oh, is that the question everybody wants to know, Lisa? Um, <laughs> the, world, the world is going amazing for me right now, Lisa Deeker. I know, you're overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, but I guess we're joining what we can say is we don't have five-year-olds on each arm trying to use our computer and our iPad and at the same time. My child is grown. Yours are what? Semi-grown? Mine, mine are semi-grown. Mine are at the beach, lady. Yeah, got it. Got it. Well, and I'm waiting to see if my, my son still has a job. So it is part of the world. And I thought, you know, we should start with that reality check. Uh, and we know our families of kids with disabilities are struggling, but so are our teachers and so are our kids. This change of routine we know is not good for anybody, including us. So I can only imagine some of the households. Well, you know, not to be glib, because I literally live near the beach. Yes. But my problem, as some parents of kids at the secondary level, is getting them to want to come in inside and sit down and do this, this asynchronous work in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time of day is, is gone out of the window when you reach the age of 10 or, or greater than <laughs> seniors. And then it returns with vigor when you get more mature like us, is what I will say. <laughs> so, so the question I got asked Becky today, I think is an interesting one. Um, and, and I thought, yeah, it's something that I haven't been thinking enough about. And the question was, how do we do online teaching without keeping kids online all day? Uh, and I thought, you know what, that's a really important question to answer because our kids with disabilities probably have more screen time than their parents want already. Um, so how do we reduce that? What are your thoughts? Well, I, 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 I would like to say first that, you know, when it comes to kids with disabilities and screen time, I totally get the idea of, you know, um, worrying about how much time kids are, are watching. But I think... I'm not so afraid of that synchronous time if we do it purposefully. Now that said, I think that this is a really good opportunity to start using more things specifically like project-based learning, which for kids who can get up and around or go outside, you know, there are things they can start exploring and we can structure that up. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I wonder about project-based learning. And of course, when I heard this question, I immediately went to another toolkit, which is UDL. And, you know, I kept, I keep saying to teachers, think about both. Can you do representation online? And can you do it offline? And if you think about UDL, there's three buckets, multiple means of representation, engagement, action, and expression. How do we build those? And how do you see that kind of fitting into a project-based learning model? What? If I were, if I were t teaching in the K-12 system right now, I think I would start every morning with a mission. So whether I'm doing it um, synchronously because we have an online meeting together and I set it out that way, or I, I shoot it out in an email, today's mission. Um, and, then, and then I use the website often when I was teaching K-12, uh, a PBL checklist. Mm -hmm. That website, it's nothing fancy. It's honestly not a fancy site, but it does, it does describe what, what project-based learning is, and it also include, includes um, templates for uh, rubrics to grade project-based learning assignments. So I, I would probably meet with my students in the morning. I would have created a little rubric. Um, I would have set them on their mission. I might have a lunchtime check-in. And that might, again, that might be um, through a video call. And kids could just show me whatever the mission was. They could hold things up 
to the camera to show me where they are, but having some regular check-ins and then by the end of the day ending with something specifically accomplished. All of this really calls for us to think much more interdisciplinary than we probably used to. Um, but I do think there's a value in setting kids off with a mission every day and having them think about what are they going to have completed by the end of the day. But it doesn't necessarily have to be something they're sitting, listening to me tell them. It could be exploration-based. Yeah, and I love that idea too, because I think it goes back to something we talked about earlier, like using a tool like Seesaw or for our kids who don't have technology, sending them that checklist and say, look, uh, by the end of the day today, you should accomplish these three tasks. And I love your concept of a mission. Um, I think that gives kids a different kind of, this isn't a lesson, this is a mission, go find the following. You know, and as I think about representation, um, I'm going to kind of take it from your project-based learning to, well, what if I can't do a whole project because I don't have that much time with kids or don't really feel comfortable with that? And I know we both have been kind of pushing for teachers. I call it the Panera Pick 2. You know, pick two tools and be good at it. Don't keep adding and adding and adding so you're overwhelmed. But let's just say that I'm not ready to do a whole project. Maybe under UDL, I just think about, well, how could I represent something? And my lesson, so say we're doing fractions, now could I help have kids represented offline? And I always say, think of something super simple. Don't make assumptions. Kids have measuring cups and you know all those things. Not everybody's a baker. Um, and you know, simply say, find three glasses, fill them up at approximately a third, and explain why. Be ready to show me your three cups of water at a third, or you know, do something simple like go get six pieces of grass or six rocks if you don't have grass in your yard, and then divide them into three groups and decide you know which one is a third and tell me why. So I think sometimes we overthink things and make them complicated and I think project-based learning is meant to be simplistic in its nature what are your thoughts there well I think I think sometimes less is more which is what you're saying and I think we have got all of the assessment piece has become so convoluted over time in my opinion so I think this is a good chance to get back to you know at the at the beginning of the day what's what's the goal and by the end of the day what do you want them to have learned Yes. You know, I think we can make it almost that simple right now because this is, again, brand new uncharted territory. Yes. It is the one time that we have a chance to not worry so much about the assessments because they're off the table right now anyway. High not stakes ones. Days, but in Florida they are. Yes. But in Florida, yep. Yeah. So, so I, would, I would definitely say this is a chance for people to, to try new things yeah. and, and then really look critically at what worked and what didn't work when this is all over. Yeah, you know, and I keep thinking about really simple, like engagement, you know, uh, honestly, with you and I, when we can see each other, it's extremely engaging. When we're just on the phone, it's engaging for a while, but eventually that human contact is needed. And yet what I think is interesting is teachers are talking about worrying about kids being engaged online. What they're finding is many times they are very engaged, but you can't be sustained for hours and hours. And we expected kids to be in school for six hours a day and be engaged. So I've kind of been using that rule of 15-5 for engagement, you know, 15 minutes online, give kids five minutes break, but better yet, give them a 15 minute project to go out and do something fun in the environment to get them engaged. So again, I'm gonna go back to the lesson on fractions. Well, I've engaged them in an online discussion, now engaging them offline, better yet, could they involve their younger sibling? Could they talk to each other? Um, could their parents be involved in that discussion? I think that's kind of what we're thinking. And I think kids can show us what they know things in project-based learning, which is a third component of UDL, in a way that we really don't think about in traditional. We tend to go to 
you know, paper and pencil. Well, we can do that through Google Docs online, but you can't do that with a first grader as easier. You can't do that all day long with high school kids. So how do you see that action and expression kind of aligning with project-based learning? Well, you did, you mentioned Seesaw. I would, I would definitely say we have to think, think differently just from years of experience teaching online, having kids upload files and then you going and viewing, you know, it does get very laborious. So I do think there's got to be um, what I would almost call online demonstration stations, yeah. setting that up so that kids can just come in, pop in, show you, show you, show you. I do think that's something that this is a great chance to pilot for anybody who can do things remotely with their students. You know, just demonstration stations that, that are, not formally scheduled times for kids, but here's the math demonstration time. So come in sometime during that time and show me what, you know, show me what you've accomplished. So I do think that's one of the big keys. And I would, I would say, Lisa, kind of as we're wrapping up, uh, teachers sometimes think that project-based learning is about fun <laughs> versus, you know, um, standards. And that's not at all the case. So the best way to get started would be to just Google your grade level, you know, your state and look for project-based learning ideas and just give it a try. This is the time to do it. Yeah. And I'm just going to kind of wrap us up with just keep expanding your thinking, you know, could kids draw you something? Uh, can they use sidewalk chalk? Um, you know, can we get them outdoors if they do have an outdoor space? Um, can they create a YouTube video? Yes, that's more screen time, but it's not them Sitting on a screen is actually somebody videoing them and put it on your teacher tube so that it's safe um, to be able to share it. You know, can they go watch a TV show? Okay, yes, it's more screen time, but now can you come back and have a conversation about something we had a shared experience? Um, I'm a huge lover of math in the movies. Um, it's a website by a Harvard professor, but it's got little short segments from Shrek and Pinocchio. Uh, and thinking about those shared experiences, I think action expression can be different if we don't just assume it has to be what we did in a brick and mortar space. And I think that's what we both love about online, yet we know that's also the challenge in an online environment. Yeah, if, you, if, if anyone who's trying any of these things, if as a teacher, go to the PBL checklist website yourself and create your own rubric so that you could just have that open when a kid is telling you something verbally or showing you something, you can just check it off of that rubric so that at least you'll feel like you have some, something on your end to show as evidence. Or if you need a permanent product, Flipgrid is also another way you could record it and have that or Seesaw. So again, that's what this webcast and podcast is about, is about practical ideas. Uh, we encourage you to send us questions on our Twitter feed, and it's at Access Practical um, and the Twitter feed. And just today, we're happy you could join us for another episode of Practical Access.